It's amazing to be here. Um, we speak at many churches um, around the UK and around the world, really, uh, about Azalea and the fact that the gospel works. It really works. It really transforms people, and it's such good news. But it's strange being home. Um, I don't. Last night I was at um, a Cayley which was full of DRAM students. So everyone is darlings and everyone's loving. So I don't normally have that before I go and speak somewhere. So I'm transitioning into homeland just now. So thank you. Thank you for being part of it. Azalea happens because of church. Azalea happens because the church gets involved. We're not a big charity which has got its funding from big trusts and grants. We're about local people making Azalea happen through church. And that's really, really exciting. Um, I've got to speak at a big charity do um, in Leicester on Tuesday and then in Parliament in November, speaking about why the church works in local communities and why it works. And I can give them incredibly good handles and wisdoms and all that, but what I can't explain is the power of the Holy Spirit, that mission works because of Jesus and mission works because who he is. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that? So I don't know what sort of week you've had this week, but I want to pray because what I'm going to say and what you're going to visually experience is very um, reduced in its impact. Um, but it's pretty horrible. And I'm just going to pray that God will bring peace into your life. Okay. Holy Spirit, we thank you for the incredible power of knowing you. We thank you for what it means not just to have presence, but to have communion with you. For what it means to know the cross and the fellowship of the cross in our lives. And Lord, I thank you for our salvation. I thank you for the peace. And I thank you sometimes it's only God who only knows what kind of week we've had, what kind of shame is in our lives, and what has descended that we didn't expect. But Lord, within that, we ask for your grace to land. We ask for you to give us peace. Just silence us, Lord. Silence us from all our activities and help us to grasp how much you care for us. And Lord, help us to grasp how much you care for us and our own situations, Lord. And maybe it's not as horrible as some of these women or some of these men. But we know, Lord, that what is on our heart matters to you. That you know the hairs in our head. You know what upsets us, Lord. And that is so important to you. Lord, help us to not ignore our inner voice, but to listen to what bothers us, Lord. And to go to you. Help us to come. Help us to come to you and to know that you will always receive us and you will always love us. Take away our shame and show us how to have fellowship with you, Lord. Lord, we're hungry. We're hungry more for your presence. We're hungry more for your fellowship. And we want to move on, almighty God, to really experience you, the potter. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Okay, there's slides that are going to slide. I, I would like, I'd love to be able, for you to all look at Ed, Eddie. Where is Eddie? Well, there he is. He's amazing. It's been a little bit of a... a that was cool. <laughs> Thanks, Dennis. Um, it's, been, um, it's been a bit quick getting everything together, but the first slide here, and as relayed, Azalea is the church's response to Christian exploitation in Luton. Okay, We're not here to fix people. We're not here to see them leave sexual exploitation. The most important message that we give is that Jesus loves you as you are, and you do not need to change to be loved by God. Isn't that amazing? And I'll explain how that's going to be communicated a bit later on. But I love that message that God's love is unconditional and God is for you. And the women get really confused by that because um, historically missions has been a lot about uh, rice Christians, you call it, uh, which is I'll listen to your sermon and you give us free food. So it's about conditional behavior. And we're like, no, no conditional behavior. It's, it's a free gift because that's what the cross is about. It was while I was a sinner that Jesus died for me. It wasn't in condition of me changing my behavior. Um, but I'll explain how that works out. So we are about church, and we are about the women coming to church. We do have awkward situations with that, although I love them, because often when the women come to church, they recognize a lot of the men, and a lot of the men are the perpetrators that they experience. But isn't that wonderful? 
Because we say that you come to God as you are, you don't come perfect, you don't come to church fixed, you come as you are and God will receive you and accept you. And it says so clearly in the Bible, doesn't it, that to those who believe him, to those who receive his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. And I get really excited by that. Some people go into hypocrisy mode and feel, isn't it terrible, the state of the body of Christ? I'm like, no, the body of Christ is broken. Let's just accept it. Let's just accept who we are and that we're all on a journey to recovery in Jesus. And you know what? There's not a big difference in between me and the women. Um, Mark Twain said, most of us are good because of lack of opportunity to be bad. And it's true. I've had a really privileged background. My parents were Christians. I was brought up knowing the word of God. I had an incredible experience when I was four. And I, I was that annoying child, if you can remember back in your classroom days, who used to always ask why. <laughs> I was like, why? Why? And even when I went to uni, I asked why. <laughs> um, we were bombarded with uni with the psychology, which says that you are who you are because of your background and your environment. And I disagree with that so strongly, because I say you are who you are because of my background, because of my environment, and because of the way I choose for those to shape me. And that's what Jesus came to do, give us the capacity to choose the way of God. But when I was four, I, um, my mum read me this amazing story about the Red Sea. I just thought, this is so awesome that you can walk through the sea into the promised land of God. And then I said, God, you know, if you're real, why don't we see miracles? Why don't we see the power of God? Like the children of Israel, if God's supposed to be the same, why has it gone wrong? And I went through to my bedroom and I prayed, and I think you might be getting an incredible impression of me now that I was really good, and I really wasn't. Um, But I asked God, if you're real, show me. And then I saw this massive angel, and I started speaking in tongues, and it was an incredible experience. Um, And I knew that God had answered my prayer, I knew it was good, and I knew that it was all right. Um, My mother didn't have a clue what was happening to me, she couldn't explain it, but I didn't need an explanation because I'd found God, or God had found me to be accurate, to be really accurate. Anyway, the long and the short, about a week after that, I was kicked in the back of a head by a horse, and I had to learn how to walk and talk and do everything again. I didn't start school till I was about six. But I can remember being paralyzed and not being able to indicate that I was aware And so you listen to all the doctors speaking doom and gloom over you. And I can remember just speaking in tongues and just knowing the presence of God was with me. And I know that God kept me alive. And for all those who are young Christians, there's uh, an amazing chap called Woody Allen. He's not an apostle. He's not an obscure prophet from the Old Testament. He's a bit of a nutter, actually, to be realistic. But he said um, 80% of success is turning up. And many of our volunteers work incredibly hard. They have full-time jobs. They're incredible. But we turn up on Monday nights, Friday nights, and Wednesday, and I'll explain all the different things we do. But it is just about turning up and just being faithful. And many of us have got a wide spectrum of theology and a wide spectrum of experience with who God is. But we come together and we say that God cares about the poor and that God is found with the poor and that we don't have a monopoly on who God is. So, I'll explain a bit later on that. Um, I hope you're grasping that prayer is basically the kind of bedrock of what we do. We're primarily a prayer movement. Uh, We don't have the arrogance to do what we do. We have thousands of people around the world who pray for the work of Azalea. We have pseudonyms for all the women, uh, and that works really successfully. I've got no theological backing for this, so please don't crucify me. Um, But I do mean this very strongly, that when we get to heaven and uh, we're going to say, God, do you remember that bookmark I got? And I really prayed for this woman, Anya, and I'm just wondering how she's doing. And Jesus will be absolutely delighted. He'll run over to you and he'll reunite you with that person and say, I've got all these videos to show you of how you prayed for somebody when you couldn't be bothered, when you couldn't sleep at night, when you had your own worries and your own cares and you chose to have faith for someone else. God's going to come over and he's going to say, do you know what? Here you are. This is what your prayer did. This is what changed. And do you know what? All these very serious volunteers and workers in Azalea really think it was them, but actually it was your prayers who changed the world. And we really need uh, intercessors before anything else. And that's how we see incredibly 
amazing works of God. But I'll explain that as we go along. So that's our first slide. Is it possible, Eddie, to move on to the next one? Oh, it's there, sorry. (laughs) Okay, exploitation means that a person hasn't chosen to be there. Um, It's really powerful and really important that we understand what that means. Uh, One of the biggest issues we deal with in Azalea is shame. And the women genuinely believe, and the men genuinely believe, that they're there because of choice. They don't understand the relationship in between child sexual abuse and child sexual exploitation and adult sexual exploitation. Nearly all of our women began as children. They began under 18, uh, and they began through coercion. And I'll show that later on as to what that means. Um, There's a lot of imagery within the media that women choose these lifestyles. Uh, We don't experience that at all. Um, we experience the other extreme. I have worked in Soho years ago, um, and we did meet a kind of different type of woman, but I've never met a woman involved in sexual exploitation who wasn't sexually abused or a victim of child sexual exploitation. Um, but the, the ability to, to jigsaw that together is diminished. What happens when somebody experiences child sexual abuse or child sexual exploitation? They stop growing. The trauma means they stop growing. Within that trauma, uh, you find out the age that they were, they were victims, and then you find out the age when they started drug abuse. All our women are drug users, and drug users means it's an emotional painkiller. Um, so if you've got a woman who started drugs at 13, and you've got a woman who's, who was abused first at eight, you're dealing roughly with a 10-year-old. And that's quite an important factor to grasp because then you set behaviour patterns that will work in accordance with success rather than looking uh, at greater responses. So these, these are the issues that the women find. Uh, we can't just bucket, put them in one clear box. They belong to so many different issues, and it's heartbreaking. Um, Nearly all of our women have homeless issues. Um, They can't go to normal food banks because they they don't sign on. They're not unemployed. They don't officially... Quite a few of our women don't officially exist. They've never had a birth certificate. Um, They've just been brought up in this sort of bubble of sexual exploitation. There's a particular woman I work with who sells herself for £7 without a condom, and she's fifth generation involved in sexual exploitation. Our biggest barrier to helping her is we haven't got a birth certificate because she wasn't officially born. She was born at home. She's not in the system. She's never gone to school. So it's a very extreme... And I'm not talking about miles away. I'm talking about Luton. And you might feel quite safe living in St Albans, but um, if I can take this opportunity to burst your bubble, many of our perpetrators live in St Albans. Many of our perpetrators might be here because we all are good because of lack of opportunity to be bad. And that's where the grace of God comes. So it's very complex. Um, We don't have a monopoly on the truth to understand people, and it's not our job to fix people. Um, It's our responsibility to point people to Jesus. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? We can't fix people. We work a lot with statutory services. I head up the statutory response uh, towards sexual exploitation in, in Bedford, and it's, the resources just get slashed every time. It's kind of a 90-mile-per-hour train track of what we're putting together for a strategy, because as soon as it's sorted, it's, it's compromised because of funding cuts. Um, but that's brilliant. I love it, because it shows where the power of God... And when we lived in Afghanistan, all we could do as as people there working was just to rely on Jesus breaking through in people's lives. And that's a really good place to be. And sometimes if we're sick, the first place we go to is our doctor instead of to our knees. And I love what God's doing in Luton. I love it because it means we've got to pray. We cannot see solutions. And it has to be the power of God. And that's good, isn't it? That's really good. It's really good. And just, you know... Let it be known that God reigns. Let it be known that he has the victory with people. So what does Azalea do? Uh, We have drop-in two evenings a week, and we have a day, which is on a Wednesday. That's our drop-in. And there's a little home. Can you see the wallpaper's got little homes on it? And that's taken from you, because you say all the time, welcome home. 
And I just, that resonated with me so strongly. And when the women come through the door, the door is just next to the other door. They come through and they see that, because we say, welcome home. And do you know what the normal response is? I've never had an effing home, and this is my home. Isn't that wonderful? And they see it like that, and it's gorgeous. Actually, it's slightly nicer than that, because we've got carpet now. But anyway, <laughs> you get the rough idea. <laughs> you get the rough idea. So we're not open that much, but I'll explain why. Um, since we've been running, we've been involved in 252 women, which is quite a lot, uh, which is quite a lot. We don't uh, deal with trafficked women. The, the police desperately want us to, and the reason for that is that we don't have the resources, we don't have the staff. Nearly all of our women, if they've been in um, any form of school and education, have been CIPCs, which is children in professional care, and they are sick and fed up of professionals. They really are, and they need relationship. They need people like Eloisa, who has had a really demanding week at work and has decided to rock up to Azalea and help because she wants to. They're so cynical towards professionals, and that's why it's critical that it's the voluntary sector, that it's Jesus people that meet them. And, that we, and we say to them, not because we want a medal, but because we want them to really understand we're here because we want to be here, we're here because we know that you matter to God and that there is a way and that you're not on a conveyor belt. Um, and the woman I talked about, who's fifth generation, her daughter is completely out. She's got a whole new life and it's awesome what God's done in her life. It's incredible, but we're still waiting for her to come through. There's loads of figures, but um, I won't go into that. So that's our drop-in centre. Uh, we offer practical food and clothes because we really try and keep alive the message of Matthew 25 um, and really give that to the women. Also, a lot of the centres are very uh, male-dominated and our women are terrified. A lot of the perpetrators are also homeless and will go. So they have a wide spectrum of perpetrators in their lives and they don't like going to mixed centres. So we offer them support which is found uh, within Azalea, which is specialised around women. So, what does Azalea do? Gosh, you're good, Eddie. Um, practical needs, food, clothes, strategic help, all that stuff we do. Um, but this is, the, this is the fantastic one, the spiritual support. We spend time listening to God and asking him, how do you want to help? What is your agenda? We've got all these needs, which was explained through the cycle of sexual exploitation, but what is your agenda? Where do you want to start? We had some, um, a really bizarre scenario on Wednesday. I was on drop-in, and we had a, a woman that we were working with quite intensely, and we bought her a coat, which we don't often do. We didn't have a, a coat which had a hood on, and she's homeless just now, um, because her perpetrator has taken all her ID, so we can't help her. And and I just, I just thought, I'm gonna go, we're going to go and buy you a coat, and we're going to buy you a really good one. She was very stressed by that experience, and she suggested all the cheaper shops. No offence to everyone who shops in Primark, but we, we suggested that. Uh, she suggested that. So we got her a really nice coat, and she found it really hard to receive a really nice coat, and it was very interesting, but it broke her, and it did, and it was the right strategy for her, because afterwards, we had an incredible Bible study with her, just explaining how God loves to love us as we are, not because we're on a journey, not because we're being spiritually challenged. He just loves to love us unconditionally, and out of that, you'll then change. Okay, is it possible to have some, vo this is the drop-in, I'll just do that quickly, actually. Uh, yep. And then outreach. Is it possible to have some volunteers? So I need four women and one man. Ta-da! Okay, there's one, there's two, there's three, there's, do you want to come up, Tara? It's lovely, I think we've got four now. That's great. Um, who's got the nicest car here? <laughs> Could I have your car keys? I would really appreciate that. Anybody got a nice car? Has Dennis got a nice car? Yes. Okay. <laughs> right. Could you hide behind here? That's lovely, thank you. You can be our driver. That's right, isn't it? No, it's 
Tara, you'd have to be the dryer. Oh, <laughs> there you go, that's prophetic. Now have a seat. Right, and can I have another... What's your name? Lizorta. Yeah, Lizorta. Right, let's put you here. Lizorta. Okay, it's lovely. So you haven't seen them, have you? Just to be clear, you don't know they're there. Okay, and what's your lovely name? Imola. Imola. Oh, gosh. How can you have a bad day with such a nice name? Right. Okay. Right. Now, we hand out cakes. There we go. And Harry Bows. Harry Bows are wonderful for a sugar rush, aren't they? Okay, I use them. Anyway, moving on. Okay, and the Message Bible and a rape alarm. Okay, I'm going to create two stories. How do you pronounce your name again? Emola. 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 Is that right? Correct me. Okay. So I'm going to change your name after I've got it <laughs> to Zoe. Okay. This is a real story. Um, we rock up and we see Zoe. And we're just looking at her and thinking, I'm not too certain how old you are. You look as if you could be under 18. You look as if you could be over 18. I'm not too certain. But I know that you're working. So we rock up. That's it. You, you sit down, sit down, don't, don't get too excited here. <laughs> right, so we give you a cake. Okay, why do we give cakes? Any ideas? Shows love. They're nice, aren't they? Cakes are nice. They're homemade as well. So, and often we do birthday parties for the women. Often it's the first birthday party they've ever had. They've never had a homemade cake. We could easily rock up to Sainsbury's, but it's not about that. It's about saying that somebody's individually made that cake for you. And also, everyone can get involved in Azalea. Not many people can work in Azalea. It's a really demanding, heartbreaking work. And if you can get involved in making cakes, that is incredibly powerful. So that's what we say. Everyone can get involved in different ways, as you can do here in Feed. It's about saying that everyone has a part to pay. Okay. I'm not an expert on football, but I know that if everyone was David Beckham, it would be a disaster. We all need to play our role, don't we? We all need to do what God's called us. There you go. I knew I should have been a football commentator. I missed my role. Okay, so we've given you a cake. Also, what happens when you eat a cake? You can't talk. And the women are talkers. They love a chat. So we stuff your face with a cake. Okay? <laughs> yeah. So over here, we explain, Hi, I'm Ruth from Azalea, and I need you to know, Zoe, that God loves you. You do not need to change to be loved by God. God accepts you as you are. You are precious to him. You are loved by him. And he is your father and you are his daughter. But I know when you were four years old, this wasn't your life plan, that God had a different plan for your life. And he hates the hell on earth that you're experiencing right now. And we want to pray for you. And we're Christians. And what that means is, is that we're here and we are on a journey with you to discover who Jesus is. We're not any better or any worse than you, but we're just all in this together. And, I'm, and I know that's true. We've got a drop-in around the corner, and you're really welcome to come to it. One of our biggest problems, which might surprise you, isn't finances. Our biggest problem, I think, personally, is that women don't get that it's wrong that they're beaten up. We say that women um, are access for violence and sex, which is different from sexual violence. Uh, we have a terrible problem around football matches and around Valentine's nights and all the special occasions. Christmas is terrible. And men just go out and just find the women and just beat them up. So there's no sex involved. It's just sheer violence. So we say that's wrong. Actually, we say it's evil and we hate it. And we do this. It's, or do we do this? Okay, this one's not working. No, it's not working. I'll try the other. This one's not so good, actually. I don't like these. But they're rape alarms. And the message is that actually we think it's wrong. And if we've had heavy discussions, it's always been about this, because the women don't believe us. They've got a different moral compass. They think it's just occupational hazard, and it's all they've known all their lives. So who are we to say it's different? And it's incredible talking to people who don't see the world in that way as you do. And then we give them a message Bible. Why do we give this one? 
It's fantastic. It fits in a pocket. Most of our women are homeless. Most of our women have post-traumatic stress disorder, which means they can't plan. Um, so having this on them means that they know that God's word is with them. The women come back to us and say, do you know, I read the Bible. They're going, that's great. Which bit did you read? Oh, no, no, I meant I read the whole Bible. And they'll do it because often they have issues with insomnia and they'll just read the Bible. And when, when we have Bible studies uh, three or four times a week with them, they just love it. They're so knowledgeable. It's inspirational. Okay, so back to Zoe. So Zoe looks young. Okay, so behind... So we're not aware of what's happening, are we? We're just seeing Zoe. There's nobody else in this scenario whatsoever. But then behind here... We have two people, and perhaps we'd like to see a pimp as a man, perhaps for all those Christian raving feminists out there, no offence, um, but a lot of our groomers, a lot of our uh, uh, offenders, our pimps are women, they're not men. So with Zoe, um, she was raped. She was a regular woman from a very, very loving family, incredibly loving. Um, she was raped. She didn't tell her mum. She just kept it to herself, but the school knew. It was peer-on-peer -peer rape. And the result of that was that she carried shame. And I don't know if this is true for you, but uh, we like to brag about how many people we have on our Facebook page. Is anybody into that? Okay, nope. <laughs> Good. So that was part of her culture. She added people she didn't know. These people were very friendly, very loving, invited her out for an incredible evenings, were very caring, loving, supporting, knew about the rape from school. Some of them were significantly older than her, but that didn't matter because she felt cared for. Um, and that's you. That's you. You did all this. Then, within uh, about two months after that, that same woman was the woman who then started to introduce drugs and then introduced her to parties. And then all this was free, there was no cost involved, and then suddenly cost was involved, and they had to sleep, they had to have boyfriends. The process from when Zoe was raped to when she was working on the street, so we had this scenario, was six months. It was, it was very carefully executed. Um, it was incredible. Um, and you were 18 in one week when you hit the streets. Why is that important? Because the support around a child is completely different to the support around the adult. That's how calculating groomers are. We work all the time with you. And why do we do that? Because it says in the Bible, there is no one that is righteous, no, not even one. And that's so significant, isn't it? So when Zoe made it, when she got out, I asked her two questions. What would you have done differently? And she said, I would have told my mum. I would have told my mum. That was the big thing I didn't do. And I said, what could we have done differently to help you earlier? Um, we knew her for about four weeks before she got out. And we had coffee with her one time before she actually, we were able to get her to a safe house. And um, we saw her. And I said really clearly... Um, what the hell do you think you're doing? Get in the car. And I was really cross with her. I was like, get in the car. Get out of here. When I asked her, what could we have done differently? She said, why didn't you say that to me at the beginning? Why did I have to have all that time without it? And that was really hard. It was really hard to know that. Um, she's now in an incredible church. She doesn't give her testimony. She's a new creation. She's married. And she preaches. She's extraordinary. Um, and God's just redeemed her life. Yeah, I'm going to give you a different story now. And this one's ongoing, and this one's really hard. Because this particular woman, um, let's call her Sally. Okay, so you're going to be Sally now. Okay, so let's put this back, and it makes sense. You can sit down if you want. <laughs> right. Okay, from 2010 to 2014, we knew Sally. You, you give Sally a cake, and we say... She'd have all our Christian stuff. How are you? Oh, I'm fine. 
Often when we'd see her hands, there was a time when she had a broken arm, or we think it was broken because it was hanging, and she had all cigarette burns, and actually I'll stop right there, but her scars were terrible. But she was always crisp, she was always quick, but always friendly, so we'd have about 10 seconds with her. This went on 2010 to 2014. Then in 2014, she came to our drop-in to get food, exactly the same, quick, no conversation, in and out. We had no idea what was happening in her life, um, but we knew that she mattered to God, we knew that we were getting absolutely nowhere, and we knew that we were to be obedient. Then last year, she said, I want out, and she began to explain her situation. She's being tortured by her pimp. He was always hiding behind this tree, which was so near. We didn't see him, but he was always there. The experiences she had have been similar to prisoner of war camp uh, victims, is what the, how the police are going ahead with procedures against him, and it's been terrible. We had nine attempts of getting her out, and every time she'd go back to him, because it's all she knew. She'd known him from school, she went back. And that's why I say, you know, if you can't pray, then, then this kind of ministry isn't for you, because it is about persevering beyond belief about what God can do and standing on the promises. We had a, a volunteer who was so young and came to us and said so clearly, I believe this woman's going to be saved. All these lovely Bible verses, and they were so naive, but so powerful, and they've come true seven years later. It's incredible, and she's now doing really well, but that was nine attempts. On average, nationally, it takes between five and seven attempts uh, to try and leave, and actually, in Luton, we see nine to 11. But it is absolutely a work of perseverance and believing in what God says when you can't see any result and standing in that. And we've got many, many women we work with who we haven't seen any change with. But we carry on because it's about obedience, isn't it? And it is about just turning up. Okay, thank you so much for being volunteers. Is Eloisa here somewhere? Okay, do you want to come and do the reading? That'd be lovely. Yeah, just, should I take that for you? Okay, thanks. Oh, yeah, you need to give Dennis back his keys. Okay, I'll just mention briefly about befriending, uh, and this is what we do. Currently, we work with about 58 women um, on befriending, so we see them, we have coffee and do that sort of thing, but most things around Azalea deal with coffee, actually. Um, and it's about committed relationships, and it's about saying, actually, we're here for you, and we will be consistent in your life, and we'll be faithful. Every volunteer needs to make a three-year commitment uh, because it's relational, it's not need-led, it's relational. And the minimal com time commitment is eight hours a week. Even though our drop-in is only open for about four, it's because of the amount of prayer that you need, the amount of time you need to really think and pray about working with these women and meeting up with them. Okay, we can put the verse on now, if that's okay. Matthew 25. Okay, do you want to come, Eloisa? Eloisa is our youngest volunteer. She's 22. Our eldest is 84. Um, so we've, we've, we're a wide spectrum of everything, really. <laughs> anyway, do you want to read Matthew 25? Oh, yeah, it's a good idea. Then you'll be able to hear her. This is Matthew 25, 31 to 46. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on the right, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you a drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these my brothers, you did it to me. 
Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry, or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them, saying, Truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Okay, thank you. Is it possible to go on to the flint one? Because I'm realizing I'm running out of time. That'd be lovely. With, um, with Azalea, with all my heart, I wish I hadn't set it up. Azalea's the fifth team I've set up, but I wish I hadn't have done because it doesn't look at the demand. It's a sort of Christian A&E department. It doesn't look at the cause. And within the whole world of relief and development, there's an analogy, isn't there, that uh, you can have 20, 30 very sick, poorly fish at the bottom of the stream, really suffering. Um, and you nurture them, and you, you restore them, you restore the Zoes and the Sallies, and that's awesome, isn't it? But wouldn't it be better to maybe go to the top of, of the actual stream and find out why? Why? Why on earth is this happening? Why are these fish struggling and dying? What is going on in their lives? What has happened? And it's looking at the macro picture and we've only connected with 253 women. But on average, the women have between 15 and 20 clients a night. And I love numbers. And if you do the maths on that, that's incredible. And if you do the maths on how many communities are really impacted by sexual exploitation and how you can do that. And we're setting up a new team now, and we're very nervous because we've got our website. The police and the social services have have pleaded with us to set this team up because to look at the demand means to stop the victimization. And when one deals with just the victims, then you're not really dealing with the source, are you? And we saw a huge amount of women leave in 2015 and 2016. And those individuals are changed. And please hear me, it's fantastic what God's done in their lives, but it made no difference whatsoever to Luton. I'm sure it made some, but very minimal because they were replaced immediately but looking at the source, looking at why. We are very nervous. We've got a website, and it's busy, and it's active. We've got cards that we've had uh, produced, which we're giving to the police and probation, but we're saying, no, we're not doing that yet, because we can't handle the numbers that are coming through the website. And that's no adverts. That's just they found it. Men are desperate. Men who go to church are desperate. Men who are so addicted towards violence and sex that they'll do anything to make sure they can feed that addiction rather than pay their mortgage, rather than feed their children. And the stories are terrible. We have issues where the perpetrators are children and the women are adults. So where do you do a CP? Where do you, where do, you do a child protection issue on that one? It's so confusing. We have a massive problem of young men accessing the women. It's terrible, um, and, it's, and it's because they feel they'll never be traced, it's okay to do that because they're under 18, uh, and it's horrific, and it's that shame angle. Uh, but do we, do we know places where men can bring those kind of pains? These men perhaps played with the train set like you did and like your boys did. You know, they have the capacity to be Jesus' people just like you and I, just to be on that spiritual journey, but is the church not this church, but is the church able to handle people being honest and real about their sin? Or is it best place comfortably in a facade? I love reading, and I read a book by John White, and he said if you've been a Christian for more than seven years, then you're probably a Pharisee, because you've learned to behave a certain way to be able to belong. And God says things very, very differently. God says you come as you are. You come as you are. You don't change. And the message for the women is the same as the message for me. It's not any different. And I get contacted a lot by Christians uh, internationally wanting to set up teams like Azalea all over the world. And I'm like, just go away and pray for six months. Do you know how many come back to me? It's about 25 to 30% who've come back after praying for six months because they can't hack the prayer. They can't hack the prayer. And if you can't hack the prayer, you can't put up with having no, no breakthrough with somebody like Sally for four years. Well, six years in all, really. 
but it is about a relationship with God. I just want to finish with this incredible verse. It's, um, it's from Matthew, and it's in Matthew, I should have my bookmark in it, actually. It's Matthew 11, verse 30. Matthew 11, 28. Well, I'm going to have to use my glasses here. This is God's command to us. He asks us to come. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is life. And you might never have been involved in sexual exploitation. I might never have been involved in sexual exploitation. But it's, for me, it's just a lack of opportunity. I know it's the grace of God that has brought difference to my life. And if you've been a perpetrator or if you've potentially been a victim, then God says, come to me. We can all have the potential for healing and restoration. And the women that we work with and the men that we're privileged to work with within Flint are just like you and I. There's no difference between them. And if there is any form of difference, it's grace. And they've got different toys than us and they've learnt different toys. And that's where the gospel comes in and that's where Jesus comes in. But we're fighting. We're fighting a battle. It's a spiritual battle. And we find that volunteers that thrive, as I'm sure in your own feed ministry, are those that spend time with the Father, that those that spend time listening to God. How do you want me to minister in my church? How do you want me to care for those who are broken and who are exactly the same as me, but life has dealt them a very different experience? And if we really want to stop describing ourselves as victims, as perpetrators, then we'll come to God in an equal setting, knowing that we can come and receive the equal healing of Jesus. I just cannot begin to explain to you what the grace of God does and that there's no shame with God whatsoever. There's only healing, forgiveness, and the fellowship of God. I had, um, I'll just finish with this. I had a really challenging experience in the summer because I suddenly realized that I was being very affected by the work I was doing. And I, oh, I need to be careful of confidentiality, but I was dealing with a very difficult, uh, very high-profile uh, situation that we've got, and I'd realised that I, I, it had affected me. It wasn't uh, intercession identification. It wasn't empathy. Uh, I was traumatised. I had secondary trauma from what I was hearing, and it had really penetrated my own personhood. And I realised that putting on the full armour of God, seeing it as a spiritual battle, just somehow wasn't enough. And God took me on a journey, and it was incredible. And it was about the cross, and it was about the fact that Jesus, he is alive today on the cross, bleeding for the suffering in this world. It's not a past thing, it's today. And a lot of what we deal with in Azalea is still Easter Saturday, it's still, we're not quite at Easter Sunday. And for a lot of these women, for the rest of their lives, and a lot of them in their very short lives, it will be hell on earth, even as a Christian, because they've got to face the consequences of what they've done and the consequences of what other people have done to them. And for me, I had to realise that in between me and the suffering of the women was the cross of Jesus, and that he takes all the suffering in our lives, and he bleeds for that and there's peace, and that's the justice of God. He hasn't eliminated it. We haven't got a sugar daddy God. The suffering is still there. We still walk through the valley of the shadow of death, but I walk knowing that Jesus is bleeding, that the communion of sharing in the fellowship of his sufferings, as said in Philippians 3:17, is alive and is well in my soul. And that makes a difference, and that's why Christians are able to do this work, not become cynical, not become hard, and still thrive and still able to cry for the suffering that you hear. I've been in this ministry for about 28, 29 years, and I can't still believe that in 2017 a woman would sell herself without a condom for seven quid. You know, things have gone very wrong in society. Things have broken down, but Jesus is still on the cross, still suffering, and still very relevant of our lives. And you don't get much better than that, do you? to know that. And sometimes with issues like Azalea, we like to throw money at it. We like to 
throw food, we like to throw um, clothes and all these things, but the biggest message that we've got is that Jesus saves, it's the gospel. That's what is the hunger of all of our souls, isn't it? Is just to bring people to a place of knowing that Jesus is the rock and Jesus is transformational. I just, I just think it's awesome how he forgives us our sins. Yeah. I'm just going to pray and then I'll hand over to Richard. Lord, I just thank you that you couldn't love us any more than how you love us today. I thank you that we're loved and that we're washed clean. Thank you for the depth of fellowship that we can have. And thank you that when we experience hell on earth in our own lives, we know that you're there and we know that your grace will take us through. And we know, Lord God, that it's incredibly, incredibly awesome just having a relationship with you. Thank you for your presence, but I thank you for the fellowship and the communion that we have with you, loving Father. And I thank you that our lives will never get any better than how it is today, that we have a living relationship with a living God who is there interceding for us. Thank you for that privilege, Lord. Thank you for that relationship. And I thank you that every secret suffering in our soul belongs to you. And there is no place that we can go that is better than you, Lord. Thank you that you ask us to come, to come to you over and over and over again, Lord. Thank you for that. Thank you for the equality of our walk, Lord. Thank you that we're not alone. Thank you that we belong to you as we are. Amen. What a morning. That was um, just tremendous, tremendously insightful and, and powerful for many of us to hear. I'm going to, um, I'm going to give us some practical responses that we can do following that. But first of all, to Ruth's point, there is nothing more powerful we can do than pray yeah. uh, as a church. So why don't you guys stand? We're going to raise a hand. We're going to pray for Ruth. We're going to pray for Azalea. We're going to pray for whatever those things are that spoke to us. So what I want us to do is to start off by just raising a hand. And I, I just want you to pray out loud. It can be quiet, it can be loud, whatever it is. Let's just pray collectively as a church. So just where you are, pray for that blessing. Father, we just thank you for Ruth and we thank you for Azalea. Just join mm. in, pray out loud. And we just thank you for the, the impact that they are making in St. Uh, mm. Luton, St. Albans and around this area. Mm. And Father, I ask that you give them provision, their wisdom, Yes, the connections, Lord, the favor, favor with the, the uh, government, the, um, the organizations that take place around there, and also, most importantly, with the people. Amen. Lord God, you know the hearts, Jesus. you know the minds of everyone around them. Yes, and Father, Lord. I ask that you would open doors for them, yes, open Jesus. opportunities. May this multiply, Father. May people catch an idea of what you're doing. Yes, Jesus. And Father, increase this. I thank you for the value you've given us, the equal value Amen. every single person in this room yes. and in these areas have. Yeah. And Lord God, I just ask that you would speak with a loud voice, that mercy, that hope, yeah. that favor, that love that you have for us, Lord God. Yes, increase Jesus. it, Lord Jesus. And Lord, I want to thank you that you're a good God. Yes, Jesus. And I want to pray protection over Ruth and the yeah. team yes, Lord. and everybody out there on the front line that um, you would help them to guard yeah. their hearts and minds and, yes, and that as they start to um, be impacted by what the, the work that they're doing, that they would seek you, um, that they would bring these things to the cross and that you would bring healing yeah. and restoration, Lord. Yeah. Um, yes. I pray that they would continually persevere yes, um, in the work that they're doing and in seeking you. And I pray, Lord, that we as a church would stand with Azalea yeah. Um, that we as, as individuals and as the wider church would um, be praying and interceding for the work that they are doing um, and that through prayer we would see victories um, yes, and we would see um, your kingdom come on the streets of Luton. We would see um, the, um, the people that work in the streets no longer there but yeah. free and living a life um, that you have called them to, Lord. I thank you for the work of Azalea. I thank you for Ruth and the way that she um, is pioneering this with her team. Yes. Um, and Lord, we really commit Flint to you as well yeah. um, and pray that you would help them manage um, that demand. And yes, thank Jesus. you that there is um, a hunger for yeah. people to be set free. Yeah. Um, and we pray for more of you, Lord. Yeah. More of you. More. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Give Ruth another round of applause. Thanks, God. Uh, 
so I want to give you three responses that we can do that. You can't leave hearing a talk like that and seeing something like that without just, you know, without responding in some way. The first, res- first response is, if that's touched, if that's resonated with you on a personal level, whether it's something that Ruth was speaking about, you just feel that shame is, is within you, or maybe you just don't even have the words for it. You just know you need to respond to it personally. Then the first point of all is uh, my right, your left. We have the prayer team. You don't have to explain everything to them. They can just pray a blessing on you. And let me just read out these, a couple of these words as well. These are inviting other people forward. Uh, man with a damaged uh, arm, I think, and oh, left shoulder. Uh, intense pressure at the back of the head. Woman with um, severe head bur- sorry, heartburns. Uh, arthritis in the hands. Woman with constant pain in shoulder and neck. A problem deep inside an eye, maybe a crusty right eye. Someone constantly feeling they are about to be sick and someone worrying about a hospital appointment and what may be wrong. So if any of that's you, of what Ruth has been saying personally speaks to you, then my right, your left. Secondly, most importantly, I think above all things, is to pray. And some of you will leave this place feeling outraged and feeling, you know, there's something you've heard today that you've never even thought about. You know, as Christians, we need to walk into presence of God. It says, come to me, all who are weary burned. We go to Jesus with these prayers. Don't, let it, don't go out and grab a donut and forget all about this and say that was an interesting talk. Let it wreck you. Let it wreck you. Get some time this afternoon or sometime this week and go, God, what are you doing? How can I be part of that? Can I just join that prayer? Do you want to respond practically and maybe offer to volunteer with Ruth? Whatever it is. Let God speak to you directly about that. Don't just do it instantaneously. Seek God. Seek God. Seek his voice. Seek his, his temper and seek his temperature as he brings you into to what he's doing. And thirdly, you know, Ruth mentioned the financial thing. She has not asked for this at all, but it just seems wholly appropriate. That on the way out, there's a couple of buckets. And if you want to respond financially, if you just want to give a, uh, just whatever you have in your pocket to just saying, you know, whatever it is, Lord God, let me be an answer to that prayer for provision. Let me be an answer to that prayer for provision. Let God speak and use me to bless what Ruth and Azalea are doing. So those are the three. Come and get some prayer if you need to. Seek God and then give financially. Let's do that in the name of Jesus. Let me just pray for you. Father, I want to say thank you for Ruth. Thank you for everyone who steps into new ground. Lord, when we step out and we, we push the enemy aside, the enemy doesn't go, oh, okay, I'm just going to move on now. The enemy often comes back and fights for the ground that's lost. And we ask for your protection. We ask that you would arm us and equip us with the tools and the weapons that we need to make your kingdom known, to bring your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. So, Father, speak over us, love on us, and love through us in the name of Jesus. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And everyone said, amen. Bless you guys.